Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to South Africa on 99.9 for Cricket Every Day. I'm Neil Manthorpe. My co-host is Lungani Zama. Um, and South Africa on 99.94 is your new home for South African content. We'll be dropping into your podcast feed on YouTube um, or on the 99.94 app several times every week. So please rate, review and subscribe. Thanks for joining Cricket's Conversation. Um, Zams and I are going to talk um, about uh, the series, which is just the ODI series, which is just coming to a finish in India a crucial one for South Africa, um, potentially. They are hanging on by their fingernails, um, Sam's, in order to try and automatically qualify for the 50-over World Cup. Uh, You know, in a a game which is setting fixture precedents by the week, um, internationally anyway, this this is a... (laughs) The the bar has been raised to a new high, or maybe that should be a new low, uh, with the fact that South Africa are um, staying on to play an ODI series and a really important one for them. Um, while India's T20 team, <laughs> they left for Australia before the first ODI um, to prepare and, and yet the South African boys have stayed behind. I, I'm not going to even go anywhere near describing the Indian team as a B team, but obviously they're missing some, some massive players. I mean, it's still a, a very, very strong team. But it's a bizarre state of affairs, isn't it? Bizarre. It is a B team if we're being honest, Benders, and the fact that South Africa are trudging through fudge to somehow get the job done is a bit scary. Um, but they have to play the series because obviously we've negated the ODI series against Australia to start the SA20. So, you know, every decision has its uh, consequence. Um, and like you say, it's crazy that the rest of the world is pretty much in Australia preparing for the World Cup, which is on our doorstep. Uh, but we've got to honour this commitment because we're trying to to make sure we come back to India in a year for for the World Cup, um, and it's looking increasingly likely that South Africa are probably going to have to to go the qualification route, which is unheard of. Well, unheard of, but I mean the West Indies had to do it, didn't they? Um, and again, for the second World Cup in a row, the tournament will be held in Harare, um, which has become very spin friendly, by the way. Um, and, and and there's a, a distinct possibility that if South Africa do have to go there, they may meet the West Indies um, uh, there again. And, and you know, there's either the West Indies or Sri Lanka. Um, and and that's that's going to be really, really interesting um, if, if South Africa do have to pre-qualify. Um, but before we get on to that, let's just go back and... and Look at some of the decisions that have been made that have left South Africa in in this um, position. I was just going back. Just let's remind everybody, just very briefly, that the World Cup Super League was, I thought, an excellent concept. Really good. The hosts qualify automatically, India, and then the top seven out of 13 teams 
Each country was assigned four home series and four away series. Um, South Africa had England, Pakistan, Netherlands and Bangladesh at home and Sri Lanka, Ireland, India and Australia away, which I thought was a fair mix, really, because there was no science in the way these fixtures were divided up. It was just a question of who was available and how how could they fit them in. Um, but, but you know, we when we looked at that, we thought, well, that really shouldn't be a problem. But But... Let's just so the Pakistan home series, South Africa lost two one here in South Africa before the crit- critical third game. Um, they lost Rabada, Miller, Fanadusen, De Kock, and Gidi and Nokia. Six top players left to go to the IPL just before the decider. Um, and, you know, we know where we stand on the IPL and we know that uh, the players are not to blame. I'm just saying that that's what what happened. Um, in Sri Lanka, they rested Quinton de Kock. They were back-to-back. Do you remember? There were six white ball games, um, three ODIs and three T20s. They rested Quinton de Kock for the ODIs, not not the T20s. He played the T20s, so he flew all the way to, to Colombo. Um in Ireland, they lost a game. They conceded bold poorly to concede 290 uh, in the second game, lost it, bowled out for 247, chasing those runs. And um, in when Bangladesh came to South Africa in March, I, I think that was the worst collective ODI performance from a South African team in the last 15 years. I think they were complacent. They'd just beaten India on home soil, 3-0, and that series, of course, fell outside of the Super League. And I just think they were they were really complacent. Um, and, and they leaped 310 in the first game, lost it comfortably, and, and were then bowled out for 154 in the third game, having won the second. And then, as you said, they cancelled the ODI. Well, they declined to play in the ODI series in Australia after the test series, um, which cost them, well, I'm not saying it cost them 30 points, but, they, you know, they... So they've, they really have themselves to blame. Do you agree? The the common word there is complacency throughout, um, you know, all these series that you've so thoroughly prepared for and gone back to because if, it's easy to forget when you just look at the current series and go, oh, it's a must win. There have been opportunities to win and be comfortable going to the World Cup for quite a while for South Africa. Um, and there's just been, like you say, you, you let six players go to the IPL and that's that. And Tim, I remember Timber at the time saying that these are players' decisions Um and it's it's you know you could tell that he was irritated at the fact that he could do nothing about it. Half his best players were going to the IPL, and that was that. Um, he was concerned, and he was right to be concerned because Pakistan is a good team. And if you're looking at the World Cup because it's on your, it's something that you've got to qualify for. Now you otherwise you if you lose a home series, you put more and more pressure to have to win away. Um, and Ireland, you know, is tricky. Um, so. It's been very, very complacent, and and now that it's come to a head, you kind of look back and you look around. I mean, why would you rest? Goodness, Quinton de Kock doesn't need rest at the moment. He's he's very clearly marked out his cricket calendar. He doesn't need rest. Whenever he's available for South Africa, he should play every single game because he's he's not 
putting on white kit anymore. So it's it's astounding that the planning around this has been so laissez-faire. And now, you, like you say, you're suddenly going to a, a tournament in Zimbabwe with Sri Lanka and West Indies who will absolutely fancy their chances of loading their attacks with spin and putting on a competitive total and saying, let's see where the cards fall. You know, it, it, it's an unnecessary layer of pressure just before World Cup. And I mean, you don't even want to consider the embarrassment of not qualifying for a World Cup simply because you rested players for a majority of the series on the way to qualifying, declined an invitation to go to Australia. It, it looks terrible. So there's there's already a lot of pressure. Um, and it shouldn't, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be, but it is. And yeah, I'm sure that they're, they're starting to, to look at hotels in Harare to say, where are we going to stay and where are we going to have our team camp? Because that becomes a must win tournament. And the reality is you put so much emphasis on that qualifying tournament suddenly that by the time you get to the world cup, you've actually probably played some of your best cricket before you've actually got to the proper tournament, which is crazy. But, you know, this is where they are. And this is, you know, this is what they've got to do now. Well, you said that um, we don't want to consider the ramifications of not qualifying for the World Cup. But that is exactly what I want to do after (laughs) this short break. Um, We'll talk about uh, where it might leave South African cricket in just a moment. You're listening to Cricket's Conversation on 99.94. Whatever your team, we have the show for you on podcast, YouTube, or on the 99.94 app. We have India, England, South Africa, West Indies, and now Sri Lanka covered. If you want to find us, the best way is to follow us on social media at 9994DM by downloading the 9994 app or Google 99.94 on podcast. We speak cricket. Okay, we're back. Um, so, so you, you, I can't help um, but to consider what might happen if South Africa don't qualify for the 50-over World Cup. Um, not that I, I find it enjoyable, but I find it unavoidable. I mean, the, the, the potential ramifications of South Africa not being at that World Cup, and I'm not talking about money in players' pockets, I'm talking about much, much more than that. Yeah, it's oh, it, it's an it's a proper proper national embarrassment, um, and and then it just sits. I mean, I don't know. It's like Christmas without turkey. Like it, it's unthinkable since coming back from readmission that you you're not going to have South Africa at the World Cup with everything that they bring to the World Cup with with all the pressure and and, and all the expectation and all the doom dreams. It's they're one of the biggest teams in the world. And, and, and now you're starting to look at it and going, oh, there's a serious banana slip coming here where then you seriously, seriously run the risk of losing even more players to national contracts who just go, actually, if we can't even qualify for World Cups anymore, do I really need a national contract that ties me and doesn't allow me to go and play the 100 or the CPL in between because I don't have a World Cup to look forward to or actually this was my swan song because a lot of these guys are sort of 30 plus looking at India as probably the last realistic chance of going to a World Cup. If you don't qualify for it, it's just the most hollow. I mean, 2019 was bad. 2019 was terrible. They built it up, built it up, built it up. And the team just did not arrive, simply did not arrive. It was almost as bad as not qualifying because you expected them to get through 
the group stages and they just never arrived. And you could tell the pressure heaping on, heaping on and heaping on. And we know South Africans in pressure, especially at the World Cup. So you can imagine what's going to be going through their minds if they actually have to go to this World Cup qualifier tournament. And the added pressure of that, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's too grim to consider. But we do, like you say, have to properly, properly consider that, you know, you're going to have to book a ticket to Harare and, and cover a couple of must-win games. And, as you, you know, your World Cup ticket stops in, in, in Harare and, and, and you don't even go to Mumbai. It's a <clears throat> scary prospect. I'm just wondering also about whether expectation fatigue um, is, uh, is setting in. I mean, I, I, I remember 1992, uh, 1991 World Cup when... That was the only one where there were no expectations, and of course South Africa reached the semi-final and and went out in uh, in dramatic. Um, it was pre Duckworth Lewis, wasn't it? So um, <clears throat> South Africa needed twenty two off one ball, having been twenty two off uh, off thirteen balls. But th- subsequently, the expectation levels have risen, and we build them up, and South Africans build them up, and. I just wonder, one of the many, many consequences, and, and of course, you know, the levels of disappointment and failure um, increased every four years and, you know, at one point became unmanageable. I didn't know how I was going to recover after the 99 semifinal. Um, but then, you know, it went on and there was the 2015 semifinal and and we we used to talk through all those years, decades, <laughs> about players um, who were unscarred so we'd say, well, well the, the great thing this year, uh, this World Cup, is that we've got seven players who've never experienced this scarring. But um, I think they have. I mean, they did as kids watching and experiencing the levels of disappointment. And I just wonder whether one of the consequences of the new, the new world is that young players might say, I just don't need this. I... I I, I can I can actually live without it. It's a horrible concept. But do, do you think they're, they're just going, you, do you know what? I mean, like, I, I'll mention Tristan Stubbs by name. I don't know him well enough um, to, to suggest that he might be the kind of person who'd think about it. But, you know, if he's, if he's got 25 million in the bank by the time he's 25 and he's, he's seen albeit second-hand, and experienced the levels of disappointment and opprobrium that come the way of players after they fail at a World Cup. I mean, him, his generation might just say, hey, I don't need this. I don't deserve this. No. I, I think given everything that South Africa has accomplished in other fields and they've seen the level of national euphoria and... And everything that comes with winning on the ultimate stage and then coming back. You any any cricketer worth his South African salt would love to be part of the first that finally gets it right. I mean, you know, half those guys sort of played in that under fourteen under nineteen team in twenty fourteen with Mark Rim and Rabada and Andile and you know, there's a few of them. They so they they know what it feels like, what it means. Enough of them do. They, you know, they've they've all sort of won things that matter. I don't think you you put on a national jersey and then shy away from the biggest moments. 
um, that they've watched their rugby counterparts become not just national heroes, but international heroes. I mean, Sia Kulisi shot an ad the other day saluting Roger Federer on his retirement. That's what winning on the ultimate stage does. It, it opens doors that you can't fathom. You know, he, he can pop up at Anfield at Liverpool and just say, hi, I'm Sia. And Jurgen Klopp gives him a hug and gives him, you know, the run of Melwood. These, these are the things that happen when you win the biggest tournaments. And I don't think any cricketer who has the option of going to World Cup and potentially winning it will ever say, actually, I'd rather shy away from the pressure and just go and make an easy $250,000 somewhere else. You, it, it actually helps your marketability for the next tournament. You know, it, it does. So I, I would be staggered if someone was going, mm, actually, I'll, I'll sit this one out happily, uh, let some other kid come in and be able to write a book about how after years and years and years of heartbreak, they somehow snuck over the line and won South Africa's first World Cup. If you've got the chance and you've got the legs, surely you've got to want to play. I'm very glad you said that because you know that that's the way I'm feeling as well. So I was just playing devil's advocate. But what about a guy like Devolt Brevis? So Tristan Stubbs has now, he's played international cricket um, and he's he's got the taste for it and clearly he's he's savouring it and, and loving it. So um, he was pr- probably a bad example. But there'll be more Devolt Brevises. There'll be more um, youngsters like him. I mean, we've just seen the... South Africa under-19 team win the um, Division II T20 domestic competition. And that is an exciting team, really exciting team. We mentioned in our last podcast that some of them may well be signed up by franchises before they've played for South Africa. So what what if their taste experience is, is very different to Tristan Stubbs? I mean, <laughs> Brevis hasn't played for South Africa and, and he's he's probably got more money than you and I. Um, combined will ever have comfortably, comfortably more money. Um, <laughs> but he hasn't he hasn't travelled the world with his team, and you know the the hero that he's modelled himself on is is adored by billions in India and around the world because of what he did in a South African jersey, win or lose. You know whether it was the tears of twenty fifteen or every door opened because of what AB did in South African kit. It was the pink day. It was the extraordinary innings against West Indies in Sydney 2015. It was everything that he's done in national colors. So until you've worn them, you know, you can, you can model yourself, but you, you're not yet a South African champion. You're not, you can't call yourself an international cricketer. And I think that still matters. These guys are wearing SA under 19 gear. They want to wear the real thing. They want to say, I've got that, you know, to this day, David Miller wants a test cap. Won't get it, but that's the one thing left on his CV besides winning a major tournament. Always, always wanted it. So these small things that might seem like, oh, you've made all this money, David Miller, you're fine. There are things that as a cricketer, you grow up saying, I want to do that. And a lot of them want to say, I won a World Cup for South Africa, or at least I went and played at a World Cup and lost a thriller, but cheapest. What, 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 what an awesome responsibility to know that Everyone is glued in back home, hoping that I, I get this right because it means so much. Surely. Well, I know that I'm being a pers- particularly persistent devil, devil's advocate at the moment. Very persistent, but I, yeah. I, I actually do wonder whether there there might be kids signed at, at 18, 19 years old 
who um who who don't experience that that level and and don't, so i mean you you don't miss what you don't know uh, and i think that yeah i'm only a little bit older than you but our generations just make this assumption that that of course you you want to play for south africa but um gee um there is a possibility you must be able to see the possibility that that the the playing franchise cricket around the world might just become so prevalent that that they have no concept of what that experience might be particularly if south africa don't qualify for the world cup next year yeah look i hear you um and i'm i'm going to keep betting stoutly for patriotism here because i think <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just yeah. There's enough problems in South African cricket for for players to now not want at all to play for South Africa. I think you know even a Quentin de Kock had the option of just walking away and just becoming a cricket wanderer, um, you know, and do the kind of thing that AB did at the very tail end of his career and just pick the best leagues and almost go on a swan song and just collect checks. The reason he stayed is because he wants to win in national colours. He's had a taste of it, and I, you, as much as the money is fantastic, ludicrous sometimes, you 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 don't grow up saying, I want to become a cricketing billionaire. You grow up to say, I want to win something for my country. It's the same for the Springboks. It's the same, uh, well, I don't know if Bafana players still get up hoping to win things because they don't win anymore. But you grow up wanting to win something because you watched and you saw what it meant for you as a school kid and getting up the next day and talking about, I can't believe Alan Donald didn't run or I can't believe he dropped his bat. That's, that's the thing. No one gives two stuffs about an IPL final as soon as it's done. The money's great, but it's, it's forgotten. You can't tell me who won the 2017 IPL without going onto your phone and thinking about it. You can't tell me what was the defining moment. But if you go back to 91, you know exactly what happened. You know where you were. You go back to 99. You go back to the rain in Durban in 2003. You know exactly where you were as South Africa failed. 2011 was stuff up with New Zealand. You know where you were. I know exactly where I was in 2019. Because those are the biggest moments for the country. That's, that's the stuff that people watch. Everybody watches. Your friends, your family, anyone you played against. That's the stage they aspire for. And if it gets to the point where people are saying... No, thanks. No, no way. No, Even the SA20 loses value at that point because your marquee players are no longer marquee. It's just random. Then you might as well just open gates and say, just get whoever you want. It doesn't matter. Your, your national players have a window that says you bring them in here because they matter. Why? Because they play for your country. Because that's the ultimate. That's the marketability. So I say absolutely no way. And the day that happens, then... Phew, then we really, really don't have a job. <laughs> well, um, I, we need to have a break because you've just traumatised me um, mentioning all of those um, World Cup moments because I was at all of them. So um, I, I need to take a deep breath um, and we'll take <laughs> a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the, the final series that South Africa have to play in order to, uh, to try and qualify for, for the World Cup. If you love the language of cricket... 
and want more, then head over to the 99.94 app and you can hear all of our podcasts and cricket commentary. We're adding new shows all the time and covering cricket series from all over the world. Be the first to hear all of our announcements by following us on social media at 9994DM. Welcome to Cricket's Conversation. All right, I've taken a deep breath and uh, I've managed to recover from uh, all of those memories. Um, still the most traumatic was 99, by the way. But um, so, um, Zams, um, by the time England arrive, there is, uh, sorry, for the one-day series um, at the end of January and the beginning of February, which is going to be played during the SA20, as you know, um, and that is a ticking time bomb. And it's ticking very loudly. And I, I can see all sorts of dramatic and probably traumatic things um, happening around that series. Um, but but uh, I'll come to that. That'll be our second question um, in this final section. The, um, so they, they will have to win that 3-0. Um, and then they have scheduled the last two... Netherlands games, games against the Netherlands, because remember they came over and um, they played the first game or they played half of the first game, then it rained and then they went home because of uh, Omicron, I think it was. So there was the second wave or third wave, I can't remember now, of the pandemic. So they're playing those games in April. Um, they will be on the high field, so hopefully it won't rain. But they will have to win five out of five. And uh, um, in, beginning with those three against England, um, that's that's going to be a really tough ask. Okay, so I'm going to come straight to the point, actually. I'm not going to save it. If Cricket South Africa thought it merited declining to play those three one-dayers in the middle of January in Australia in order to have their best players available for the SA20, what chance they will pick the strongest team during the SA20 as the competition moves towards its playoff stages? Absolutely no chance. Absolutely no chance because the owners that have bought these franchises have surely got guarantees and contracts with their best these best players that most of them were actually signed even before the tournament, the auction happened. Um, you devalue... like. It's an incredible conundrum to be in because you would devalue the own th the one thing that you're selling and banking your future on, but at the same time, if you don't pick your best team, you are literally saying that you are willing to gamble with qualification the hard way. Um, but there's absolutely no way. I'm sure these IP these owners are not stupid. They would have seen the logjam and gone just by the way. Every single one of those players that we've signed are fully available. Otherwise, we're not signing them. It, it, it would it would have had to be. It would have had to be. I mean, there's international players that were left unsigned because they were only available for a couple of weeks before they went to another gig. Okay, no thanks. We don't want to build a team around you and then you disappear halfway before we win the thing. We, we want you here for the whole tournament. So you're not signing Quinton de Kock to then say, as Lance Klusner, okay, cheers, we'll figure out because actually, if Quinny goes, Heinrich Klaassen probably goes as well. There go your two keeper batsmen. Eh, that's not going to happen. Just not going to happen. Yeah. See, um, 
I was in the uh, SACA, South African Cricketers Association, offices the other day, and I just happened to see um, a year planner chart on the wall, um, and it had <laughs> June, July, <laughs> like not not in it was it was there in in black marker, permanent marker, um, the the qualifying tournament. So I think I think. Largely, I mean that you know the the players know that they have to beat England three nil, and then I hope it doesn't rain and there's no um, problem against the Netherlands. But I I think they've inked it in. I think they have made peace with the fact that they're going to have to go to Harare and play against Scotland, Ireland, the UAE, Papua New Guinea, Sri Lanka, or the West Indies. And um, you said it was a must win tournament, but actually I think you can you, you, the two finalists top two yeah uh, take yeah the take. Um, that that could just be of all the World Cups that I've been to and Champions Trophies and T Twenty World Cups, that could just be uh, the most buttock clenching tournament I will ever have gone to. I think they call it uh, squeaky bum time, um, yeah. and it will be. It will be because you know we know these teams and how they react to pressure, and uh, there's enough South African spread across these associate nations to gently remind them of the burden and responsibility of being this first South African team to never qualify for a World Cup. It's, it, yeah, it's unthinkable. But, you know, once it's been penned into Saka Diaries, you know, as sure as Christmas is coming. And a final word on um, England's conundrum, because Josh Butler's being paid, well, we don't know, because he was pre-signed, wasn't it? But the word is that he's being paid half a million dollars by the Paul Royals. He's England captain. Now, um, the other thing to mention is that, that that England series is being played in Bloemfontein and Kimberley because they're the only two venues which are available and they're not the most accessible. Um, and Joss Butler is going to be playing his cricket in Paul. So he's going to have to get from Paul, to, well, to Cape Town. And then, you know, there aren't many flights and the planes aren't very big. Um, and, and take a week out of the series. So... Definitely missing one game, probably two for his franchise, who are paying him half a million dollars to play in a series which is utterly irrelevant to England. I think there's a conversation to be had there where the captain will suddenly make a an awkward release saying that he's being rested and Besto or someone else is going to pick up the gloves for that series as England look to build depth. I don't think at that amount of money... Josh Butler will be turning out in Bloemfontein. I can't see it. No, neither can I. Thanks for listening to South Africa on 99.94, Cricket Every Day. Please rate, review and subscribe. Download the 99.94 app and follow us personally on uh, at Neil Manthorpe or at Wamzam17. We'll put links up uh, to everything we do um, on the show, on the podcast and beyond. Also, follow our network at 9994DM on social media. Follow the podcasts and commentary from um, from all the matches that we cover all over the world. Thanks for joining Cricket's Conversation here on 99.9. We speak cricket. Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. 
Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today.